0: Hello there, you are listening to Africana Woman with Chulu. The Africana Woman is a live show that highlights our stories in our own words. We believe that to attract the lives that we truly desire, we must smash the culture of silence around the things that hold us back or keep us stuck. In our tribe, rest assured, you are not alone. The Africana Woman is for you, it is by you, and it is about you, girl. No matter where you are in the world. So the Africana woman back again for part two is Miss Annie Mbako. Like I said, this is part two of a conversation we started last week. And the topic is British, ish in brackets, British Africans newcomers to the game now let me just remind you a little bit about who annie is and if you have not listened to part one of this conversation make sure you go back just stop it right now go back and listen to it and come right back okay so this is who annie is annie specializes in diversity equity and inclusion with a particular interest in technology she has a passion for embedding real diversity in organizations fueled by a background in multicultural communities across two continents. Her current mission is to work with businesses to embed long term and inclusive processes and operating models. Annie's accolades include the Times Top 100 Rising Star by We Are the City and the Northern Power Woman Futurist. Mm. More recently, she was named among Tech Nation's 50 most inspiring, prominent, and influential Black voices in UK Tech 2019. Listen, we are talking to a powerhouse. So let's just jump right into it. Again, the topic is British Africans, newcomers to the game. Let's get started. I like so many questions, but first, let's address. <laughs> um, Peter, he says, um, what do, what are the various things the um, black people do to preserve their culture?
1: Yeah, so it, it really, a lot of it resides in, in gatherings or around gatherings. So for my tribe, particularly, and I know a lot of other African cultures do this and even the Caribbeans. Um, so we've got like social banks that will take place on a monthly basis. So these are where, mm-hmm. or the... They take place in different forms. So um, every month um, you, you put into a pot. For us, you put into a pot and one person receives. Um, but it's not just about the banking. It's also about um, getting getting together as a community. So my parents made sure that was one of the things that we, we did. And that's the reason why we were in London every month, um, because we were doing this, this thing with, with our tribe. Um, so we also have family family gatherings. So now in the UK, I know that there are a lot of um, local cultural events that are supported by councils as well. Um, so they'll try and put on either entertainment events or um, it would be marketplaces. And before, even before this happened, with the last time that Black Lives Matter uh, took mm-hmm. place, I saw a massive upshot in black owned businesses but also businesses that were selling african produce so either food or jewelry clothing art um there's been a yeah a a massive rise in those so we've been people have been um creating events and creating communities on platforms like meetup.com um which is really popular in the uk so anyone can create a meetup and Mm-hmm. you could create a meetup around art around um, going to you know watch a, a particular African film or uh, I don't know supporting some some kind of artist. Um, yeah there's loads of things that, that can be done but I think those the traditional habits that take place in Africa, um, traditional gatherings they still happen here as well people do them as soon as there's a small cluster and I have to say some of the uh, consulates or embassies are supportive as well so sometimes mm-hmm. they will put on events um, where mm-hmm. um, everyone is involved or they'll do a tour of the UK I know the Cameroonian High, High Commissioner does a tour of the UK um, well the major cities in the UK and you get to ask questions as well so mm-hmm. there, yeah there is a lot that you know, people can do as a community, but always in the home. Um It's always about eating your your native food. Um And I think regardless of where, where people are, even if they're somewhere where there is no African food or whatever, they will travel and stock up on the food and make sure that like once a week, at least they have, you know, some of their traditional dishes. So yeah, food is a major, plays a major part in it.
0: Okay, Maybe. so... I want to find out from you how, um, I I don't know if you know the statistics of it, um, in Mm -hmm. terms of the African community, how well are they doing in, um, in society, in like economics generally, you know, like Mm -hmm. how well are they Mm -hmm. doing? Because if I'm thinking I want to migrate to the UK, Mm -hmm. what are the chances of me making it?
1: Yeah. So there's a, there is a difference um, and it's got to do from what I can see. I haven't got any statistics, but it's definitely evident that um, so people maybe like me, whose parents brought them here, um, there's there's quite a few of them who are doing very well, as in they are uh, at senior management level. You've got some members of parliament even um they're people who are controlling things so it's not like it was back in the day every time we have an election even i'm surprised at the number of it particularly um uh particularly Niger- nigerian and ghanaian members of parliaments that we have all mm. nigerian ghanaian origin um just by their name there are, there are quite a few um and but if you are coming into the UK because of the way that visas and things are right now as an adult, it will take quite a while. Um, I'm not sure if I think before when my parents came, it was easier to the route to getting the British passport was much easier right now, what the UK government have done um, obviously because they don't want that much immigration. Um, to be uncontrolled what they are have done over the years is they've made um, uh, uh, applications renewals of visas and all that kind of stuff more expensive it yeah. does take longer to get British citizenship in some circumstances even if you come you know as a doctor pharmacist um, I would say you you mm-hmm. it's going to be a bit more difficult for you to to climb up the ladder, um, but having said that, there is still plenty. I know in the Cameroonian community, there's still plenty of doctors coming over um, because they still have have a good chance. And once in a while, sometimes there will be.
0: Yes, because I think what you're saying right now is getting in is hard, but when once you are there, um, you know, will your um, your standard of living at least improve?
1: Not necessarily. Not necessarily drastically. It depends what you do and it depends what kind of job you have. Um, There is still stagnation in terms of promotions at every level, even within, I'd say, like the NHS that employs a lot of black people. Um, it doesn't mean that just because you, you come here um, that you will rise to a level where your standard of living is good. If you fall into issues with immigration, even if, you know, you don't do anything dodgy, that can actually ruin your life. Because what will happen most often happens is that the government puts you in a state where they tell you you can't work um, while uh-huh. your your in is in process. And that state, I've seen people, I've met people where that state has lasted for years. Um, so it it isn't, it isn't just the case that you come and yeah, you get a job and then you rise No, that does not happen because let's remember, as I said before, we are guests in this country. Um, and in some ways still, that's how we're treated. We are the minority. So you're coming into a country as well, where let's not forget UK still has a lot of people trying to come in that all the people were a lot of people coming in from Europe. That's reduced a little bit since Brexit, but still people are coming. And then, you know, you've got people coming in from all sorts of different continents. UK is a popular country that people want still want to come to. So you're competing against like the rest of the world. Um, and that's something that it, it's very difficult to tell like family back home, that it, it isn't just the case that, you know, if you've got a master's or a degree and a good job and a good track record that you come here and you're going to make it. Because even when you get the job, The difficulties of climbing through a company, or it may be difficulties of setting up and running your own business. Um, you never know. It is, it is potluck. It's not set in stone, but I would say the, the roots that are popular are the ones in the NHS usually because the, once you get in, I think because of the way that the contracts are set up, you are more protected in a way than other, uh, companies so yeah those tend to be popular doctor nurse they will always be popular
0: Mm -hmm. so you know when I think of um, a community like let's say the Indian community um, it's so uh, when they come to the UK they're very connected but then they're also Mm -hmm. from the same country and then I I don't want people to think that oh okay Africa is like one country which it isn't you've got all these Mm -hmm. different countries and i i just wonder how well do the um different uh, different people from the different african countries um mix socialize collaborate mm-hmm. how how is that how is the interaction
1: so i when i was growing up um i guess maybe you could say i was we were sort of isolated we mainly just interacted with Cameroonians, maybe a few Nigerians, if they happen to pass through uh, Manchester mm. or people that were connected in London. Um, I don't think the older generation, unless they physically live na- near each other, I don't think the communities were or are that well connected. Um, these days, I think it's getting better um, because people are starting to realize that we may have our differences, but at the same time, most of society just looked at us one way and if we're going to succeed we need to work together so there was um I hope there isn't so much but there was when I came a bit of a divide particularly between Africans and and Caribbeans um I'm I'm hoping that's you know as far as I'm seeing it is eroding somewhat Mm. so we're still respectful of each other's cultures still aware but um particularly as people start you know, having children here or, or they, they come here when they're younger. Um, by the time you grow up, you know that we're, we're, we are in the same bucket in, in some ways. Um, so we have to manage together. But um, yeah, I don't think the older generation work together that well at all. I have to say, I think some people have tried and they've been mm-hmm. successful in public. But overall across the UK, across different African communities or African countries, Mm, I'm not I'm not sure and I don't know it may be because it, it may be happening a lot easier now also because of social media um and the more information that we've got coming across and younger people are a bit more open and even I would say a lot of the people that come now um that come you know as adults as well um they are a bit more open to mixing and probably realize a lot quicker that we need to start doing things together. But it has been a process. And it was also because the Caribbeans came and settled and they had a foothold here before us, um, that also caused a bit of tension because we tended to come you know, because of work or university mm-hmm. um, and we tended to end up in higher skilled jobs than them um and they you know they were here they they got trampled on to be fair they came when they came in the 40s and 50s um they really really got you know just reduced to nothing and they came with their degrees as well but the world was or uk was a very very different place they had far less chances than than africans did and that's why the the tension started as well um but yeah we are hopefully seeing a bit more of um a uh, levelling out and trying to, you know, understand each other because they paved the way for Africa. I mean, I, I know a lot of Africans don't know this or they don't think about it, but they paved the way for us. They paved the way for every other black person that came in this country, really. Um, it was a massive sacrifice. So we need to be cognizant of that. But yeah, the older generation, I think, especially for a lot of Africans who like my parents, there some of them their um their aim is to go back and retire back home they really never considered this home they just came to give us a better life and you know once they're done with that we <laughs> just go back and retire in the sunshine they're not interested <laughs> in anything else uh, yeah so maybe maybe that's why they didn't bother mixing so much i'm not sure no.
0: Okay, so do you think um, because I know like, you know, in different communities go to different countries, they whatever they are doing is to usually the the profits and whatever monies they are making goes back to their home countries. You know, now, Mm -hmm. do you see that in the African community or what is their main focus? Um, and I'm not saying that, oh, we want them, we, we have to force them to move back to the continent or whatever, but I'm just um, thinking around, is, is there any um, drive or move to reinvest in the continent and just reconnect and make sure that, um, you know, there's, there's also development where we're coming back, where we're coming from?
1: Yeah, yeah, that definitely, definitely is. And I think it happens to varying degrees, but the this, um, when people come over, I mean, regardless of what age it is, the closer, if they're not born in this country, definitely it's something that's almost, it's almost like bread and butter in, in the culture that you have to help. So it's evolved. My parents have always sent money and they always will um but then i look at things like is are there things that i can do instead mm-hmm. of sending money um yeah are there things that i can do myself and does it mean that can i take myself and go to somewhere and make make a difference and when the the, the last credit crunch in 2008 when that happened i saw a lot of my african friends just go go back home um, and that definitely helped to boost the economy in some some of the countries. But there definitely is still a lot of interest. Um, and with the Internet evolving, with social media evolving to a superior level, the involvement of Africans, regardless of where they are on the globe, on projects that are... Uh, for the benefit of africa um it's definitely exploded there's still i think with this, the stronger connections the stronger the connection to the home and um, there's always going to be a you know some kind of movement to help develop things or take advantage of the economy there whatever it is and or even people moving back um, yeah, that's always, always going to happen. What I'm seeing the evolution of as well is that um, there are there, there are still actually some people who, um, for them, because they were very, very wealthy back at home, um, they tend not to do that. Um, they tend not to send money for specific projects to people that they know, but maybe they'll donate to charities instead. Um, and they, they do tend to keep, keep, wealth either for themselves or make sure that they have generational wealth which is something that it's not a bad thing I think as we evolve we need to also learn how to do that because always sending money back home and sometimes (laughs) when they haven't even got money themselves here they're not even you know they could be living in some shack and like eating rice every day Um, but when people see them on social media or they see them back home they think that oh you're rich it's a big problem actually Um, Mm -hmm. and I I think that habit it's very difficult to to say or to tell people that because as soon as you come to UK or Europe people expect you to pretty much look after the family or contribute Um, I think we start being realistic because that is not helpful and we need to work together as a community better here as well to support the people who are coming over so that they can you know get to a comfortable level a lot quicker I think that can happen and that's what I see the Asians doing the Chinese do it Jewish people do it as well we need to work on that that network of of you know here and then they can look after people back home or whatever comfortably but not before you know because I've seen people go into debt they borrow off credit cards they borrow off loan sharks all sorts of things um just to make sure that people back home have got a comfortable car and they're living in a big house meanwhile you can't even afford to live properly (laughs) here it's really i've seen that it's shocking so it's so common um and that's something i've personally found very difficult i've had people ask me for money and um it's yeah it's difficult to just tell them no so i personally had a filter where I would say uh, I'm not giving you any unless it's for something educational, or I can, you know, see the benefits, or it unless it's a direct investment into a business that I think is going to work. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we need to we need to work out our wealth habits. We haven't got very good wealth habits at all yes. as a community. Yeah. We need to work yeah. that out, um, and it's, it's very difficult to stop seeing people in the UK as purse strings, but. We we need to look at it in a different way. Um, yeah, because I think some people still think that money grows on trees in this country for everybody. And the reality is it doesn't. We're, we're at the bottom of the totem pole, sorry to say, or near the bottom. When people come over here, as I've mentioned before, people think that you're a mon- you know, there's a money tree here as soon as you land you'll be okay you'll be good to look after your people back home a lot of people don't know this even though my dad helps people and my mom does it took them more than 100 applications to to get had to go without a salary for a very very long time and so did my mom like she didn't have to retrain as well and those are you know doctor's so what of if you don't have you know you come over with a management degree and you think that you'll get or an accounting degree and you think you'll get a job in an office it really isn't like that it takes a a long time for a lot of people to to get a job unless you transfer here with a particular company and then they fight to get the visa for you the likelihood is if you you know make these applications on your own you're going to experience the same systemic racism that we experience as in if somebody looks at your name and it doesn't sound english you will go to the bottom of the pile or your cv will go to the bin that is the reality but um in terms of generational wealth let me just go back to our habits um i think it even has to start so from Annie, back home in africa we have to stop seeing yeah. sorry
0: Annie, what you're talking about is black tax so just define that for us and let people know what black tax is. <laughs> Yeah. So black tax. So every time you
1: have your your salary, you can't even I mean, people forget that it takes you've got bills to pay. You have to live. So if you've got to take a portion of your salary and send it back home every single time, you're always going to be on the back foot. Reality is you're probably going to end up with zero in your bank account and you'll constantly be borrowing from either people or a bank or something. It's going to be difficult. So people end up working two or three jobs just to make sure that they've got something in their bank account at the end of the month. And doing those two or three jobs, while you can physically do them, it's a tax on your mental health really. And also you just get tired. You can't, there's only certain hours realistically that you should be working every week sustained. Um, And if you're going over that boundary, um, yeah, you're going to be just tired, but it's, it ends up with a lot of people who are constantly, because they're constantly sending this money back home, even Mm -hmm. if they have it or not, um, they end up just not building up any savings Really, because every time you build up a savings, somebody dies at home or somebody gets married or someone gets something and you have to send that over. So you don't actually really ever have a safety net for yourself. Um, And that's really, really dangerous. And we have to get into a habit or some point of really building safety nets for ourselves. But that also comes from within our community. We need to be like the Asians and the Jews and the Chinese where we, we can, you know, either borrow from ourselves or find find a way of the community supporting you somehow or instilling those habits in. Um, and I've actually partnered up with a wealth manager um, recently who he's really, really keen on um, teaching these wealth habits to the Black population and making sure that we get to that stage of generational wealth, because there's a lot of things that we do and we take it as a habit and tradition. But, um, you know, White people don't do. And quite frankly, they have more money in their pockets because they don't do those habits. And there's going to be a challenge. But I think at some point, a lot of Brits who were born here, um, Black British who were born here, starting to not do some of those habits. Um, and I think it's going to be controversial, but I think some of those habits have to be done. We do have to be a little bit more selfish. And when even when we're thinking of, oh, I going to help the family, you do need to start thinking of, OK, who's your nuclear family? Because maybe those are the only people that you can help, not your cousin twice removed, um, you know, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, some random family that you've never spoken to you, you should really shouldn't be helping those kind of people and those are the kind of difficult things that we're gonna have to start doing I'm afraid and people back home as well some people I would say like even in Cameroon they've actually got opportunities but they don't look at them as opportunities because they look at people here like walking bank accounts and they don't take advantage of those opportunities walking, at all. yeah <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Walking. 8, yeah. We really. Yeah. Um. And we need to stop looking at people like that because some sometimes actually, you know, your people at home they mm. they've got an advantage and you can call someone up and link them with something and then they can start something for themselves. Um. And there are people who do it. I've got co- a cousin who does. You know, I I sponsored him through some um IT certificates years ago. They didn't cost me anything at all but he managed to rebuild my grandfather's house. He's managed to send, you know, his siblings abroad all because he had that IT certification. It didn't cost me much, but I was very particular that I'm not going to give you this money so that you can buy jeans and trainers. It's going to be for your education to better yourself. And then he sorted himself out from there. And that's just from Cameroon where we, you know, we were number one in the world for corruption, like, several times in a row we're always in the top 10 in the world for corruption so if that can happen in a small town it's not even the the capital city it's in a small town in Cameroon if something like that can happen imagine you know what other people with more resources can do Um, yeah and it's yeah we, we need to start doing things like that and placing boundaries I think as Roz has mentioned in the the chat because if we don't, um, we, we're going to explode. But I can see the newer generation of the British Africans—they are actually placing boundaries. Um, it will be interesting to see um, how that changes if that changes, because obviously there are still new people coming in to the system um, who may not be following that route. But I have to say, the ones who are putting boundaries—those are the MPs and the you know the senior managers and things. You cannot get to that level if you keep giving to every, you know, every cousin, every auntie or whatever, you will not get to that level. So people have to to make a choice. And I know it's difficult for some people. My dad would actually be maybe having a go at me and giving me a lecture (laughs) for saying things like this because he was one of those people who's, you know, generous to the hill, but I, I'm not and cannot be um, and it doesn't matter even if I, my, my salary is double what his was when he was full-time working I will never be that generous because I know that a lot of the money that he's given away has gone to people just enjoying their lives and they've got nothing to show for it and um, yeah I didn't come here to suffer quite frankly <laughs> that's my last issue
0: hey sis. Thank you for listening to Africana Woman with Chulu. This show is only possible because of your participation. These are your stories in your own words. There are actually two ways that you can be featured in the Africana Woman Network. You can either be a guest blogger on the Africana Woman blog or a guest speaker on the Africana Woman podcast. If any of these interest you, please contact me on africanawoman at gmail.com to learn more about the procedures to be approved now back to the show what a good um wealth building habits
1: could you go through those oh right well i'm not a wealth manager disclaimer out there um but this has got to be um investing when you do have you know something, rather than saving, I think investing. We need to get into the habit of doing that because we always. And I don't know who brought this this thing out. A lot of people, you know, think that saving, just saving, is good. Saving is great, but you need to invest. You need to make that money grow because when it sits in a bank account, um, it does nothing for you, especially in this country when you know, inflation is going up and down all over the place and they're doing crazy things like Brexit, actually having your your money sat in your bank account, it does nothing for you. So you should put it into, um, and banks have this, service where they can put it into specific um, accounts where it's invested in stocks and shares or you can invest in um, another thing that can be done. I'm trying to encourage more people to do this in Manchester. Invest in a business that's been going for a while. There are quite a few people with like tangible businesses or online businesses and they just need a bit of a boost. You know, this well, first market- of
0: all, Annie, first of all, the saving culture is, is just... Um, non-existent. Mm-hmm. So first, you have to save something to invest, mm-hmm. and yeah. then you have to save, and then yeah. when you got a little, if you got something, then invest. Let your money work for you. Mm-hmm. You tell your money what to do. Yeah, and then yeah, don't just let it be sitting. Yeah, I'm. I'm not really into. Um, I think like what you're talking about. We call it um, chilimba mm-hmm. or uh, banking. One of the two. Mm-hmm. And, you know, where people are not using it to, um, you know, when they, when it's their turn to get the money, it's usually just for things that are not going to um, multiply, you know, multiply their, their, their situation okay. or their yeah. funds or whatever, yeah. and, you know, they'll be like, oh, let me go and buy, I don't know, let me go buy a fridge. Let me go buy yeah. a um, some sort of yeah. depreciating asset. And I'm just like, yeah. 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 And that's exactly you've put onto a
1: point, actually, because everyone can understand or they should understand what depreciating assets are or appreciating assets. And, you know, I see I know a lot of for a lot of people, it's like, I I guess, um, cooling their heart or soothing their heart. If they work really hard, they want to go and buy a flashy car and they want to go and buy all these things. But the question you need to ask yourself is, It does it depreciate in value? Can it appreciate in value? Can whatever you're buying, can it make money for you? So if the answer is no, and you're not on six-figure salary, even if you are anyway, like what are you doing buying this thing that costs a fortune and it's going to start depreciating the minute you start using it? What is the point in buying it? And that's Warren Buffett's um Uh, kind of basic principle in investing actually and other great investors as well but that's one of the things that he does and that's one of the reasons why he still lives in the same house that he's been living in for decades he still drives the same car his lifestyle is pretty much still the same it's because he looks very carefully at those appreciating assets depreciating assets blah, blah blah and he doesn't like start spending on things that he doesn't need and this is another thing all human beings but particularly I'm seeing with black people and I know it's because we've been through a lot of pain but when we I'm seeing a lot of people Mm -hmm. when we start feeling like we've made it we start buying all these flashy things you know to to fit in or you know look great and start doing competitions against each other like who's got the Louis Vuitton bag who's got the Gucci this the what no one cares that is not you know what in my whole life of and it's been maybe two decades of hanging around with mostly white people I see a lot of white people that earn a lot of money, you will not find them mm-hmm. buying Moet and Shandong. You will not see a designer belt in their wardrobes, And I'm talking about these are senior managers. You won't see a drop from them. But they're the ones that retire at 50 or whatever.
0: I was, I was going to say, what I've seen oh, is <laughs> um, yeah. a lot of people see their, um, their dreams and aspirations through movies. So Mm -hmm. in the movies, they're saying, oh, wow, okay, to be rich, the definition to be rich is to have all these flashy things, you know, Mm -hmm. and that doesn't necessarily translate in in real life. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we're we're getting all these notions from Hollywood and whatnot Mm -hmm. of what it means to be rich. And that's that's the downfall of many people's finances.
1: Yeah. And also we're forgetting as well that some of these people, when they're, they're rich the reason why they could buy all of these things you know maybe at a younger age is because their family already has wealth and it's not going to hurt them you know to buy if you have to keep sending money back home even if it's a little bit or you know that I don't know with your parents retiring you're going to have to look after them you cannot be going and flossing and buying flashy, flashy items like everyone else as well, even if you earn the same money, because you need to remember that we're starting on the back foot and we have, you know, whether it's black tax or responsibilities Mm -hmm. that culturally other, other um, people wouldn't have, we've we've got those. And another point actually, let me just say before I forget, is um, things like life insurance or insurance in general, I I say this every time someone dies in the family and thankfully my dad has got the message and sorted out his own funeral, but things like that. We're in, we're in the Western world now. It costs, it can cost tens of thousands of pounds just from the UK to send a dead body home. I didn't know that. I mean, someone asked in America before last year, I think it was like 15,000 because someone died in Hawaii. Um, Yeah. $15,000 it would cost to send the body back to Cameroon and
0: just sending the body because when you get to when you get to Africa it costs a plot to actually build to actually bury the person. Like literally the amount of money I would spend to buy land and develop and whatever, that's how much it would be to 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 bury someone in Africa. And then you don't have insurance. Yeah we're really
1: not thinking about our family if we don't get things like life insurance to make sure that they don't spend tens and thousands of pounds you know when they bury us we need to that, that's one habit I think that can start right today it doesn't need any education life insurance starts from as little as five pounds a month in the UK I know that for a fact um and you can even arrange the details and all, everything about your funeral So that, you know, people don't because the thing that really irritates me here, and I know it's it's controversial, but when people die here and I start seeing um, people asking for contributions to this and that, and I'm like, you've been here for more than 20 years. I'm sorry. Like, what is your excuse? So you and you now expect me to dip into my pockets when maybe I don't have or I don't have enough to do what so you can fly someone all the way back home to bury them why can you not bury them in the uk now nah. that, that, that's one thing that really really irritates me that i will not budge on and i say this every time someone dies in my family i sing the song of life insurance and i tell them my dad has got it sorted out if my dad can sort it out and it's not expensive what he did he just paid like one lump and it's gone you know if you even if it's that you can only pay 5 pound a month or whatever do it there is zero excuse for living in western society and not having insurances like that um and, and i think it's also yeah Mumma said weddings as well oh gosh don't get me started <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> they are i mean i didn't know really how expensive or how much money people were spending on weddings until within the last few years but it is something where I'm actually seeing a few people just say no, I'm I'm not doing it because you can you can buy or you can put a deposit down for a house with the amount that you spend for a wedding, and and if I compare, you know, it, if it's I don't know a property that you can rent out versus a wedding that's one day, it'll be a lovely day, but then it's one day, one day, and it's gone. Um, yeah, for me personally, there's no comparison, but. Or, you know, even just instilling the habits of if you're going to have something like a wedding, just try and save for it. How do you save? And even just the concept of, okay, the wedding costs this much. But you really, the the thing that shocked me about um, African weddings in the UK and well, Black African weddings in the UK and white weddings is the difference in costs. Um, How much? it's crazy. Like for white people, there's a lot of things that they just leave, you know, not everything has to be perfect. Not everything has to be flashy, you know, look at Meghan and Harry, for example, Um, their wedding, it was, well, it may have cost a lot, but it it could have cost a lot more. They omitted a lot of things in that wedding just to make it kind of economical and make sense for them. But I don't know why in the black community, we can't, Really do that. We have to be, you know, have to have the bougiest wedding. It has to to show in whatever magazine, you know. We always have to have the the big show off. Must it always be like that? Um, yeah. And you know, if you know that you're, that's the kind of wedding you want, fine, fair enough. But then you have to build in those habits of, you know, start investing. Then if you're 19 or I don't know, start investing from your pocket money, which is possible. You don't need loads and loads of money to invest in anything these days start from there if you want a big wedding because by the time that you reach I don't know for most people it's like between their mid to mid 20s and early 30s that's when a lot of people get married then you'll have enough money but if you know that you know you want to do it from that just start then so instead of I don't know maybe going out drinking or I don't know holiday um how about, yeah, just put some of that money aside for your future wedding. And that's fine it, if it takes like five years, because that's a good time to put an investment through, get some um, um some interest off of it. Um, Yeah, definitely be doing that. But yeah, those are the kind of habits we need to just double stop and think. Does every single thing in what I do, does it have to be bougie? And the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> does it what,
0: have what? to be bougie? <laughs> <laughs> Um, All right, we have to wrap up, guys. We can go on forever. You and me, you know, we can talk forever. Uh, so, what do you? This is my final question. What do you? Um, well, maybe second last. How do you see the African community moving forward in Britain? Like, what do you think needs to happen? What do you think? What would you like to see?
1: Um, for I don't know. I would love, and I am seeing. A lot more unity because we know that we have to, we have to move as one. Um, I guess we've realised, especially after the last month, um, well, maybe some people have realised exactly where we are on the totem pole as as a people. Um, now that we do have more people, is we need to we need to use this really. So I am seeing already a lot of people gathering in clusters um and organizing themselves in terms of what are we actually going to do so there's a massive thing about um the black pound and the black economy and there are people even talking about Mm. building another um, well the equivalent of wall street or some kind of economic street clusters of village because we've got chinatown some places have like an indian row we don't really have like african corners in the uk so it would actually be great with all these new businesses are sprouting up or have been sprouting up over the years wouldn't it be great if we can have like African corners in all the major cities in in the UK or African or African Caribbean corners um we do have some communities that you know they they have shops that are generally African or Caribbean but it's just because they live there but it's not it's not like the Chinatown where it's like a, a tourist attraction and somewhere where you know, non-Chinese people um, would go, for example, we need that kind of um, place where non-Black people will, will pass through. But I am seeing a lot more, a lot more unity. There are obviously people who are taking advantage of the situation because there's loads of money flying around now um, in the name of trying to rebalance things. So people are taking advantage, but um, it's, it should be, I, I think in the end, as annoying as, you know, the advantage takers are in the end, it will be beneficial for the whole, whole community. And I just love to see, um, particularly for people that come from outside the UK, um, a lot more support from within the black community. When you come, um, a lot more support and confidence for them. And that's one of the things that I'm trying to do, um, in the tech industry and to some extent still in business is to make pathways for younger people, um, you know, uh, for as far as we we can go and make a difference, because we've got some some people have some kind of influence in the system, where we can build, um, or rebuild a different system. Um, so yeah, I want I basically I don't want teenagers by the time they get to adulthood to feel, or experience some of the same things that I did. Um, you know, when I was that age, and that's that's something little that I can. I can do and maybe within the tech industry I can certainly influence that but I want to see everyone working in in their own corner doing their 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 thing to help the movement and not trying to like take over because not all of us can be you know the Obamas or MPs or whoever we can't all do that but we can definitely do something in our little corners yeah and I definitely don't want to be having conversations like this again like or uh, I hope it will change
0: <laughs> yeah yeah. All right, Annie. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you oh. so much. I love you. You know, I love you.
1: <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much, everyone. Take care.
0: Oof, she just brought it home. Oh, my goodness. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Annie. OK, there is so much that I got from this conversation, but I think my top three, my top three. <laughs> And it was very hard to pick them. Where? Black tax is a tax on your mental and physical health. Just, you know, trying to keep up with sending money money back home, but then, you know, things are not so great in your situation. It's hard, guys. Number two, good generational wealth building habits includes investing your money. Don't let it just sit and say, oh, I'm saving it. No. Invest it. Let it start working for you. Number three, stop comparing yourself with families that have actual real wealth, trying to buy what they are buying. Listen, we are starting on a back foot. So spend your money wisely. Huh. I'll say it again. Comparison is a killer. Just don't do it. Okay, I really, really hope you enjoyed this episode and I cannot wait to hear your feedback. So send us comments, send us reviews. Okay, so if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Snitcher, Pandora, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts. You know, just click that subscribe button and you will be helping us so much. If you first subscribed, gave us a five-star rating and then reviewed the podcast We would love to hear what you thought about this episode. I can't wait. (laughs) I also love to connect with you on social media. So find me at Chulu by Design or come on over to the Africana Woman Facebook group and we can dive deeper into this topic. So see you next week for the next episode. It's going to be completely new. And always remember, my hope is that you love yourself flaws and all, and attract the life that you desire. This has been a production of Ulendo Creative Media. You can find out more about their services on www.ulendocreative.com.